Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show is part of my series of interviews with the candidates for U.S. Soccer President, former U.S. Men's National Team forward Eric Winalda joins me for a wide-ranging discussion, including the topic of whether his campaign is like that of Donald Trump. When you try and evaluate what happened in that election and, and what is happening right now, they, there's one consistent thing there, and that's angry people. That's people that want change, and they want answers, and they want solutions. All that and more coming up. Our guest today is U.S. Soccer presidential candidate Eric Winalda. Eric had a 14-year pro soccer career that included time in the German Bundesliga and MLS and other places. He is the number four all-time leading goal scorer in the history of the U.S. men's national team. Since retiring as a player, Eric has coached the Atlanta Silverbacks and Cal FC and has worked in the media for Fox Sports Television and Sirius XM. Full disclosure, I have worked alongside Eric for Fox Sports. <laughs> Eric, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's good to be here. Good to see you. Appreciate you taking the time here in New York. I want to begin with a question I'm asking all the official candidates for U.S. Soccer President. Why do you think you were qualified to be the president of U.S. Soccer? Well, the qualifications um, are, are clearly something that, that need to be defined. I mean, that's something that I think in the past uh, we've never really taken the time to say, okay, what exactly is the specific role of the president? Uh, we've only known really, you know, Alan Rothenberg, Bob Canagulia, and uh, uh, Sunil Gulati. But I think in the current climate of things, I think it, it requires soccer knowledge. I think that is the position uh, that we're in. Um, my accumulation of soccer knowledge over the, my career, not just as a professional, but also in that administrative sphere of, of being a, a, a director of coaching at the youth level, uh, coaching with um, the under-17s, the U-20s, with Bob, with Bruce, uh, helps uh, to a certain extent being in the professional game, understanding uh, the administrative side of, of professional sports, um, not just uh, from, a, from a competitive side, but also the commercial side, uh, the marketing side. And so it, it, it really does um, ask the question of what should the qualifications be? And I, I do believe that understanding the business of soccer uh, is, is imperative, but leadership is also I, I, having a vision and having a direction be able to being able to articulate and convey that message is also um, imperative. I, I do believe as well that when it, in a situation that we are currently in, with a country that's asking a lot of questions, because clearly there are some some issues at, at, on, at the youth level, uh, clearly with our national team, with the women's national team. Uh, and those aren't really administrative questions. Those are directional questions and maybe philosophical questions about how we redefine ourselves as a soccer nation. And look, I, I've, I enjoy building teams. I, I've, I've always enjoyed that component of, of leadership and recognizing what a team needs, not just on the field, but on, and behind the scenes as well. And I think that there is a need there. There is a need to maybe restructure the way that the federation addresses some of our our issues at this at this time, not have be a guy in Sunil, and this is no no criticism of what uh, he is or what he aspired to be, but he certainly had his hands in everything. 
I, I believe that some of these energies need to be delegated to people who have a, a specific role uh, within the structure of the Federation. And we'll, we'll get much more accomplished if we do that. I was going to ask you if your presidential style would be more like Sunil Gulati, which has been with a, f a finger in everything, basically, or Dr. Bob, who was a little more hands-off. It sounds like a little more like Dr. Bob. It actually would be a little bit more like someone who was never president in, in Hank Steinbrecher. Okay. I think Hank understood uh, the full landscape of, 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 of the game. Uh, he had much more uh, as far as the business acumen than I, I, I could ever uh, compare myself to. But we believe in unity. We believe in communication and transparency. And those are the things that, that I think resonate with people. When, when, you, when you are put in a position um, to create a direction or possibly a vision, it's imperative that, that, as, that as that message is passed along that, that it's done in the appropriate way. You can't do that unless people want to be there. You have to have a certain element of of team that in uh, a redefining a we meaning that our group uh, and, and all the people that will be probably inserted into uh, positions within the federation because i'm i'm actually suggesting that there should be more people hired by the federation uh, to make some of these 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 policies uh, happen but there has to be this feeling of where we have a goal and we believe in that goal and this is an accomplishable goal. This is not just a pie in the sky, throw it up in the air and say, hey, you know what? And, I, and look, to, to, to Hank's credit, let's go back to him. He was the one that was all about 2010. Now, we didn't get there because we didn't have soccer direction. We could have done it, but we have kind of sputtered. I, I would say we stagnated um, for various reasons, and those are soccer issues. Those are the, those are the fixable problems, uh, in my opinion, that, that we address them now and not to suggest that we need an eight-year plan. I'm, I'm more along the lines of an eight-month plan. This is, this is just a, a train that has gone off the tracks that needs a, a push in the right direction. This is not a revolution. This is more of an evolution uh, into finding, finding our way as a soccer nation and finding our place in the world's game. Hank Steinbrecher, by the way, former general secretary of U.S. Correct. soccer before Dan Flynn. If you had a big idea behind your presidency, what would you say it is? I think it's, you know, I, I really truly believe in the American player. I believe in the American attitude. I think it's time to reinvest in us. That is my message. I, I think that we have, have gotten to a stage where maybe we didn't have the belief system and we had almost an inferiority complex. I mean, I think that was the reasoning behind bringing in Jurgen Klinsmann, that we needed an outside voice uh, that wasn't one of our own, so to speak, that, that could teach us the game. I, I don't think that this country is in a position where we need to be taught anything. We need to be f in, a, in a different level of thinking that we, uh, again, figure out a way to reassess our assets and start figuring out a way to implement what we can do and, and realizing some of that potential and stop talking about it. You mentioned assets. There's different types of assets, obviously, including literal money. Uh, U.S. soccer currently has a surplus of at least $130 million. Some of that has to be kept in reserve, but a lot of it can be spent. What do you think it should be spent on? Well, I mean, I think clearly, I, I think that the hot topic here 
uh, might very well be the pay-to-play model. And I, I think that there's this assumption that this money needs to be given back to the game. Uh, I, I think that, that when we start talking about pay-to-play and we really dive into that as a problem and we, we understand it um, a little better, there are ways to, to reallocate money that comes in through their own uh, mechanisms, meaning through the state associations, um, maybe even the professional game. They want to talk about, uh, for example, their inclusion to the academies and their inclusion to development. Because I have taken the stance that the federation clearly is they're not their sole purpose is not to develop players. It is to facilitate uh, and be a, so- a resource to all of the the uh, existing clubs at the youth level and the professional level to f- that, that they are the ones responsible for developing talent. Why hasn't anybody ever said, all right, how about a, a place like Atlanta, which is an amazing, vibrant, new, growing market for that, that has just been you know, integrated into our, our professional system. How about a dollar a ticket that goes back to the youth? This is, I think they came in close to 1.6, 1.7 million people attended their games this year. If you want to make a commitment, it sh- the commitment certainly should come from the, from the developmental stage. These are kind of ideas that, that we need to start entertaining. As far as the, the reallocating you know, the money that's already in our surplus or in, in the war chest that everybody likes to brag about, um, there are other ways to, to help the adult faction. They, this is... This is something that, I, that I've always felt um, is, a, is a forgotten group where they are the fans. They paint their face. They come to games. They're, they're the ones that you see when the lights are on at 6 o'clock and you're driving past a 4v4 game. Th- these are the, 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 the real soccer people. Uh, this component, uh, which is represented in, in a massive voting block uh, in, this, in this election, has been uh, a group that I I've, I've want to – give a little bit more attention to. And if that means uh, sacrificing a dollar in registration and giving back to those adult uh, factions, that is something that I would certainly entertain. The money that, that's sitting there, and we brag about it, and we talk about it, and we say that it's, it's something that is, almost defines us at times, and we worry about it, and we think that, that um, a guy like, uh, like myself, who is a product of as a player and, and someone who is a coach and an administrator and whatnot probably isn't the right guy to be in charge of such a war chest. And they'll, they'll make that argument. I'm not. I'm not. There are people uh, like a Dan Flynn, um, like a Hank Steinbrecher, like a, a committee, a, a board that will certainly be a part of the, the conversation. My issue is when those conversations happen, it doesn't matter how much money we have. If we don't know where to allocate it and we don't know how it's going to help our developmental system, it's worthless. And if you go over the years, we've made many mistakes with the reserve team, Project 40, and now the academy systems. If they're done inappropriately, they're a waste of money. And I think this is, this is a, a massive topic because there is an opportunity within to have real conversations about how exactly do we address uh, making some of uh, the academy systems and the developmental systems and our youth um, understand what their function is? It doesn't necessarily mean we need to give them money, but we need to help them uh, and be a resource and a guidance manual, if you will, to, to help them understand how to do their business better. 
what is the process by which you think national team coaches should be hired by? It's a great question, Grant. I, I you know, and, and a lot of people have, are operating under the assumption that that's the sole purpose of the president, and it's all up to him. Um, and we've we certainly have gotten it wrong. Um, and that doesn't mean we got it wrong. What it means is is that that it didn't work out. And is that um, Bruce Arena's fault? Was Bruce Arena the, the wrong guy? It, it was was Jurgen Klinsmann the wrong guy? Jurgen Klinsmann was hired simply because he had a plan. That's what we need to we're failing to recognize in all of this. Sunil Galati certainly is not a soccer man, even if he pretends to be at at times. And he wasn't able to put together a real legitimate soccer plan. When Jurgen Klinsmann came to the table with a plan, it we could throw his hands up and say, we've got a plan, and here we go. Um, that was the reasoning probably behind him having so many different roles outside of just being a coach. And I think the distraction of all of those other roles that were just to justify his salary um, had a had a effect on him that that didn't allow him to to appropriately do his job we need if we're going to have a coach okay and and that's what we're going to pay this man to do he has one job to select a team to evaluate the talent create a player pool select a team for the the game that's in front of him and to win that game now we have complicated the role to a certain extent at times but it, it really needs to be uh, set forth in, in a way that we recognize who are we, what is our talent pool, what kind of team are we? Because I'm looking at, at, at it now, Grant, and I'm looking at this young group of some, some players that could be a part of what I would think a realistic chance to do something special in the Olympics. There needs to be an idea behind that. There needs. We've seen this with Mexico. We, we, we saw what, what they were able to accomplish and how it, it really – gave them a, a shot in the arm that they, they win the Olympics. And everything was, was because they did some certain things right at the, at the youth level. We have a team, not just Christian Pulisic. I mean, Weston McKinney, uh, Kellen Acosta. Th- this is a team that we can build around. And there are some, some players within that I think have the opportunity to do something special. We need to reassess our assets at that level right now. We need to hit the reset button. Now, that's, that's bad news for some of our experienced guys, but it didn't work out. We've missed this cycle. And what that means is integrating certain guys into the national team. Um, and we can do that through that, that format. But I think the more important thing right now is not to focus on who specifically our coach is uh, and, and as if that's a, a, you know, a fix-all, because it isn't. What we need to do is to focus on our players, uh, create, create, bring some people into the conversation. I specifically have said this to him personally, and I would say this publicly. I would like to see someone like Landon Donovan get involved with our Olympic team, going through his history, his experiences. These are, these are the kind of conversations that we don't have sometimes simply because we are so caught up in the idea that you have to have licenses to be a coach. Um, I think Someone like Landon, for example, uh, we, we'll, we'll go through the process to help him get his licenses, but I want him in the room, and I want him evaluating players uh, and helping us grow. But I think this opportunity within isn't more about the coach. It's more about a philosophy, and it's a, about our players right now. Just in terms of the process of hiring national team coaches, I want to be clear. Is it something where you think 
the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors should be making that decision? Should the president alone? Should there be a technical committee that includes the president that's more of a soccer committee that yeah. makes the hire and decides? How do you, what would you prefer? I, I, would, I would prefer it to be a conversation. The last thing in the world we need is someone thinking that they're in t or empowered to, to be, to be the, the one man that, that, that should make this decision. i am always been in my whole life through business and in, in the sport um, reliant on several voices, people that challenge me, people that, that don't always agree with me. And that always helps you to mold, not just a compromise, but it, it helps you to mold a better, um, a better idea of what a correct decision is. And that is something that I would encourage, to have some voices around me that, that are on the technical side, because uh, currently there's one, there's, there's Jay Berhalter, and that's not a criticism of him either, but that, that's quite a responsibility. And it's, in my opinion, an unfair responsibility. It'd be better to have three, four, five, maybe even six people in the room, not two. The next U.S. soccer president is going to be heavily involved in hiring the next U.S. men's national team coach. Without having you commit to anyone in particular, what are some names that you think should be in consideration for that position? Well, these are all, that's a great question too. In the past, we've, we've involved the Carlos Kurochas of the world, the uh, Peckermans. They, they, we've, we've gone, we've spanned the, the globe to, to, to try and uh, figure out. And I, I'm a fan of Bielsa. I, I will always be a fan of what he, uh, and how he has changed the game through some of, some of his disciples, if, 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 you know, if it would be that, the case. And there's always people like Diego Simeone that, and, and if you go the Italian route and you, you start to, to have conversations with people like uh, Carlo Ancelotti or maybe even Conti. And I think if even maybe for a flash there, Pep Guardiola might have been on, on the list. What you'll find, and you'll see even comments out of Italy now, where, where they will, not in a defiant way, but they will say, we're not Spain. We can't play that way. We need to go back to who we are. See, Italy, Italy in my opinion, um, has maintained their identity better than anybody throughout this process. I mean, other countries have tried to change. Uh, England, certainly, starting with Svengorn Eriksson and then and bringing in a Capello or bringing in an outside influence to try and figure out a way to, to mold them into a better version of what they were. And the reality is, is when you, you stay true to yourself as a soccer nation, you usually are at your best. So it's hard. It's a hard question because... As much as that romantic idea of involving somebody from the outside seems like it might make us better, again, I will go back to what I've always believed, is that we need to invest in ourselves. We don't need Belgian or Belgium or the Dutch telling us how to run our clubs. I know that we have a, a, a contract with them right now, with the U.S. Soccer Federation, and I think, in my opinion, that that causes confusion more than anything else we have a unique opportunity right now to not only define who we are uh, but how we are going to address the coming years and we're going to do that through our coaches we're going to do that through and specifically i'm i'm becoming more and more of a fan of, of greg berhalter because greg has proven that he can win he's a very emotional guy and I've seen him after losses, and, and I've seen what that does to him. But I've also seen how he readdresses and how he adjusts in games. We don't see that a lot of American coaches. We don't. So there's, there's you know, he's a one-name 
that I would throw out there, but I certainly haven't been, been impressed with his ability to um, to manage and to coach. So finding more American coaches who are starting to apply their trade and have a better understanding of who we are is, is very important. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this on this question, but one of the things I've always been impressed with in Germany is that uh, biannually the national team coach will call a meeting with all of the managers in the first and second division. And they get in a room and they discuss what they have. They discuss how they do things. And the reality is, is that sharing process makes the country better. Sometimes we see, you know, movement from someone that you know, two players out of Hoffenheim end up at Bayern Munich is because maybe that guy shared a little bit too much about what he had. But I, I think what, or with that's Dortmund or Lewandowski or, or Götze or, or, you know, uh, Mats Hummels that, that, that made that move. And then everybody says, oh, everyone's just going to Bayern. Bayern essentially has had enormous success because they emulate what the national team is doing and vice versa. And that understanding of what our identity is as a, as a country, the constant communication that they have. I'll bet you that's never happened. I don't think that's ever happened where our president called a meeting of all of the, you know, get Peter Vermes in a room, get Greg Berhalter in the room, get Oscar Pereja in the room, what he is able to, you know, get Caleb Porter and Ziggy Schmidt, and, and let's talk about this. Now Bob's back in the mix, which, I, which is always going to make the, the conversation interesting. But in exchanging ideas, understanding that there is a bigger picture here is why the Germans are world champions. They figured it out. They all got on the same page. They mandated certain things. But the reality is, is they're better than everybody right now because they know exactly what they're doing. As president, what would you do to increase the representation of women in leadership positions in U.S. soccer? You know, I've, I've been, and I will say this, I've been paying closer attention to this recently um, than maybe I, I had been in the past. But there are some strong uh, voices that have been forgotten, in my opinion. Um, and their, their inclusion, whether that be, you know, the Julie Foudy's of the world, who I know you're a big fan of, uh, or Angela Hookley's, uh, who is, is sitting on the, on, on the board and is someone who is actually trying to do just that, that through her company, uh, extending their knowledge of an experience of, of, of integrating athletes into the business world is something that needs to to be more people need to know about that and more people need to understand that becoming a professional athlete has a for a very short shelf life and that doesn't mean to say that that our athletes and the women or the men's side aren't people that that are enormous assets they just aren't utilized properly so it it's something that whether you do that from a sponsorship aspect or a players association aspect, an outreach program, um, players that have played for our country or played for within our league or if it's at the NWSL or Major League Soccer, th these are our role models. These are people that we need to, to not just let them, oh, good luck, it's over, good luck out there, um, reintegrating them into uh, you know, having a goal, having a, having a vision that we're all in this together is, is, is something that's, that's very important to me. I have four daughters. So, uh, the women's game is, is something that will always be close to my heart. You are a proponent of introducing promotion and relegation to us soccer as president. Do you think you could convince the U S soccer board of directors to vote to approve implementing promotion and relegation soon after you take office? Well, it won't be their choice. Will it? 
um, even if I were uh, able to convince anybody that it, it, um, uh, from the United States Soccer Federation's uh, standpoint, it, it really isn't their call. There, there is there is a group of owners that I think are asking the right questions right now, and I've had some conversations with many of them who believe that there might be a better way. Now that's that's MLS owners, yes, and that's that's a that's a conversation and, and an education uh, process that might take some time but these are businessmen these are people who own franchises and and they want to know okay one why did we just not qualify um how is this going to affect my business and two is there an alternative is there a better way now promotion and relegation and i've i've gone on the record to say maybe some something for the future maybe not immediate but certainly changing our calendar might allow us to integrate better into the, the, the business of, 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 of world football. And that is, that is a conversation that, um, well, these are conversations that are currently happening and I think they will continue, but, um, it's, it's, it's a hot topic. I think there's a lot of people out there that would love to see promotion and relegation and they, they want to, they want to scream at the rain and they want to get on Twitter and they want to, they want to have their voice known. I do believe it makes the competition better, but, Again, there are ownership groups that need to sign off on this thing. It doesn't matter what the United States Soccer Federation believes, uh, whether they have that kind of influence or not. It it really comes down to, does it make sense to our owners? And once they've been explained a new plan and they see the numbers, the real numbers, that jump might happen sooner than we think. And you think it's possible to incentivize even some MLS owners to sign off on promotion and relegation. I think they well they want to make money. You know, right now everybody's losing money. So it if if you're able to put something or bring something to the table that proves the numbers and explains a different way of doing things and that that also involves other aspects of the business. It it, it you know, we we work in the television business. So we understand um, what that kind of television revenue and anybody that's been paying attention to the EPL or La Liga or or the, the profit sharing that need, that exists uh, from those those leagues, it allows the league to flourish, and th- that kind of financial gain that a, a club can have or a franchise, I must say, in this country, um, is an explanation that, that 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 might make sense at some point. And it really comes from a reallocating money from uh, the broadcasting partners. And what that means is, right now, to Fox, for example, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to them to have our playoffs in November and December because they can't find a spot for it. They can't find the, the right, you know, as far as visibility is concerned, we, we're back page news. And then you ask anybody that's trying to sell it and the commercial dollars have been reallocated somewhere else. They would much rather, much rather see the, the, the schedule change simply because they would allow them to have a much better opportunity uh, to create sponsorship opportunities in in May and June, as opposed to trying to find a place for us to play on on December ninth, that we find out two weeks before, and we ask our fans to get on airplanes, but the pretty late, so the the, the flights are going to be expensive. And it's by the way, in the same month as Christmas, and I've got kids, so I have to make a choice now, don't I? Are you going to get that bike, or am I going to go watch a soccer game? Maybe it's due to there is a, a populist appeal to your candidacy. Maybe it's due to the promise of change. Your campaign has been compared to Donald Trump's campaign. Mm. 
How do you feel about that characterization? Oh, I don't like it at all. But I, I do think that, that change is good. Um, appropriate change is necessary right now for us. I, I do think that um, when, you, when you try and evaluate what happened in that election and, and what is happening right now, there's one consistent thing there, and that's angry people. That's people that want change and they want answers and they want solutions. Um, connecting with the, the factions of, of U.S. soccer in this voting block and understanding what their problems are. I'm not standing on the podium telling people in a Donald Trump way, this is what we're going to do and this is going to work. No, that's not how this works. I, I learned something a couple weeks ago that the first step to love is to listen and the second step to love is to listen some more. That's what I've learned in this campaign, that Washington's problems are different than Arizona's, and Arizona has different challenges than Ohio. And Illinois has a completely new set of rules, and guess what? Florida is, is their own animal. So the idea of just saying that I have all the answers is not the way this works. You have to provide, from the Federation standpoint, a resource to allow people to continue to do the business within their own structure. And that's, that's unfortunately what's not happening. And the, the bigger battle here and the bigger war that, that's going on that's never talked about is this is a registration war. This is about money. This is the, feder the Federation is currently trying to consolidate the registration process and profit from it, thus cutting out the middleman, which happens to be the state associations. No one talks about it, but people are smarter than <laughs> they were given credit for. State asso associations need to continue to exist. They facilitate soccer. The same is happening right now with, with uh, our referees. They would like to eliminate the SRAs, which are state uh, referee assigners. And what that means is that the Federation believes, from their 20,000-foot view, that they can control that too. It would be a massive mistake, a massive error. It would cause so much confusion, um, and it would create and, – and it really is insulting to the people that have really uh, done a fantastic job of facilitating games across this country – and the, the headaches that the Federation would incur if they tried to em employ that, that idea would be, it would be, it would just be horrible. And I, I think that that stems from a, uh, a cultural thing that, or maybe even from an administrative side that the Federation believes that they have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I believe again in people that are very good at what they do. Uh, I think the Federation needs to get out of these clubs' way and let them develop players, and we certainly don't need um, to try and orchestrate the demise of the state associations through a registration war. That, that's, it's going to be a big topic. At times in your post-playing career, I know you have wanted to coach an MLS. Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened. Have you been blackballed by MLS owners? Met with Don Garber yesterday. Uh, he, incur he, he ensured me that that is not the case, so... Uh, I'll take his word for it. Look, I, I think that the opportunity never really came about. And uh, I think when you really dive into the deeper issue here uh, with all of that is there's a lot of people who don't understand me. And this process going through a campaign and meeting people, I would say a 90%, maybe even more than that, when I sit with somebody and I talk to them or I listen to them or whatever the, the, 
the phone call or whatever the meeting is about, the same thing keeps happening. And, and it's, it's, you're nothing like what I thought you were going to be like. And part of that, that persona that, that I think people expect from me, maybe it's like you even alluded to, like a Donald Trump who thinks he's just going to walk in the room and, and have a certain way of, of doing things and, and be arrogant. And, and that, that's not me. I've been really encouraged by that. And, I've, and I've, this reintroduction of, of, of what, maybe who I really am when people really get to the bottom of it, who am I? I'm, I'm a, a guy who's had an unbelievable experience through the game. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a family guy. Uh, I care about people. And I think that that resonates with a lot of people after they, they realize or recognize that it, that's the reason why I'm doing this. That I care about people and I care about the game. I love this game more than, I, I, don't, I can't say more than anybody, but it, more than anybody I know. And if, if, if we can get that message across that we can finally start believing in ourselves again for the right reasons, uh, we, we can be a better soccer nation. And that's, that's really, that really is a definition and a little quick little synopsis of what I'm about. We're nearing the end here. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, sure. Um, I wanted to ask you about a specific statement that came out from Merritt Paulson. Um, was he talking about himself or was he talking about me? Is it, I mean, it's emo- me, emotionally and, and, and let me let me read this just because I I, okay. I want listeners to hear this first. Uh, Portland Timbers owner Merritt Paulson said something uh, recently here. Uh, I know you and Paulson have had sort of an up and down past, but I wanted to get your response to this. And this is what Paulson said: "Quote, there's sort of a just burn it all down mentality that exists in the campaign, presumably." So much so that you've got candidates to run a federation who aren't even emotionally and mentally stable, let alone have ever run an organization in their life. And you've got intelligent media not pointing that out, end quote. Based on my knowledge, there is a 99.9% chance Paulson is referring to you (laughs) in that statement. What would you say in response? I'd love to sit with the guy and meet him for the first time. This is, I've never met him really and this is part of the problem this is someone who maybe views a guy that has been paid to have a hot take on things because i've been in the television business and he's never seen a level-headed businessman or never seen a level-headed manager or or the the coach that i am or the the influence i am with the people that i work with or work for I, i think the 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 owners that i've worked with would probably have a very different take and that's simply because, back to the initial point, Merritt Paulson has no idea who I am. He's making assumptions, and that's kind of the way he goes about his... I never started this war. He, it was his initial tweets that I, I unfortunately reacted to, and that's where it started. And then, of course, my amateur team embarrassed his team, uh, beating them in the Open Cup, and, and he's been bitter ever since. Look, I'll... I'll I have to go visit my daughter who's in Seattle. I plan on seeing Adrian Hanauer. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I have a ton of respect for him and I have a ton of respect for Merritt Paulson. See, what, it, the, the, part, the, the part that's missing here is Merritt Paulson is probably one of the better owners in Major League Soccer. He's enthusiastic, he's passionate, and he's engaged. Those are three things that are sometimes missing if we're being honest here. And you know, if, if if that's his 
if that's really his belief system, that that's really that, that's a little unfair because we've never really met. I've never sat in a room. I've never shook his hand, and it's um, it's unfortunate that my mom used to say when somebody says something like that about you, you say, "I'm sorry you feel that way," because that's really all I can say to the man. One thing I'm asking every candidate is. U.S. soccer president is an unpaid position. Campaigning around the country costs money. Are you getting financial support for the campaign, which is allowed? Mm -hmm. And how would you be able to afford being U.S. soccer president if it's an unpaid job? Well, I, I, my wife's a lawyer. We've already done the math on this. She's a tax lawyer, which is of all things. So she's, she's very good at uh, understanding that aspect. And we've, you know, whether we've saved up enough to do this or not, um, there are, there are other, avenues of, of course that you can explore uh, i'm not going to be a teacher at a, at a, at a university uh, um, but there are challenges within some people have argued that this should be a paid position some people have said that um it, it, it needs to maintain a, a volunteer status what do you think well i i actually think it, it probably should be a paid position i under the circumstances but that's not my decision of course that's someone but i'm 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 qualified and ready to do it either way so my investment in this emotionally and and financially will have an effect on my life but my moral compass brought me here not not my bank account so the the i i'm not concerned about it in it i, I do understand the, the the what the job entails uh it would be a ton of travel uh, it would take me away from my family to a certain extent and that's more of a, a challenge to me than anything else but Again, I, I, going back to the fact that I just care. I care too much about this game, and I really do feel that, that my presidency would have a major impact on the soccer. And fixing soccer in this country is, is something that, that needs to get done and needs to get done now. As a parting shot, I'm going to give you that parting shot. What would you say, to finish this off, to voters in this election and U.S. soccer fans? Well, to, to, that we need to believe in ourselves. And I think that we've lost our way uh, to a certain extent and maybe we've created our own, um, our own belief system that, that, is, that has put us in a, in a position where maybe we're unsure of ourselves. So I represent belief and I represent hope because what this country has always had is immense potential. With the fact that we haven't tapped into it yet is probably why we're so confused because why isn't this happening why aren't we better um my presidency will will basically install the mechanisms that are going to allow us to achieve that potential maybe for the first time so we can start going into a world cup and not saying hey we're here this is gonna be a great party we're gonna go into competitions with the intention of winning the whole thing eric winalda thanks for joining me you got it buddy Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Eric Winalda as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the new 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on Amazon with a free seven-day trial now. Recent guests include Juan Carlos Osorio, Howard Webb, Alexi Lalas, and Kyle Martino. See you next time. D.
Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.